Welcome to the Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for all the Walking Dead. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we put the dare in Daryl Dixon. Uh, today we're talking season one, episode three. Paris, Sarah, Tujours, Paris. That's how I'm saying that. It essentially means Paris will always be Paris. If Google is to be trusted, if their translate can be trusted. Aaron, what'd you think of this episode? There, you know, there's a lot. There is some kind of like toning and uh, tonal and and story issues, and that like they are trying to tell, I think, a pretty serious, sober, um, uh, prestige format kind of drama around Daryl Dixon's uh, experiments in France. Uh, But then they also have a full blown zombie orchestra and zombies with acid blood. And, you know, like there's it's like, you know, we've always said that, like the Walking Dead is kind of torn apart in two directions. One, it wants to be like the vision of Frank Darabont kind of pitched AMC, this like really prestige take on this uh, black and white art house graphic novel series of zombie things and wanting to be Z Nation where it's like that's not super interesting for longer than a couple of years. We need to have some gonzo shit in it. I feel like this is an episode that really felt particularly torn apart where there's like some really good, like I, I kept on seeing some of like Norman Reedus's uh, nonverbal acting, like his discomfort and his like distaste and his uh, unease in certain, these certain situations, especially when he feels like helpless that he's just like, you know, people are like a scene where people are bargaining for him in another language. And he's just like, uh, like I thought that stuff is really good. Um, and the stuff he's doing with Isabel is really good. And and then you've got <laughs> the rest of the stuff. So, but I, you know, like I said, I, I like Daryl Dixon. I think Norman Reedus is, is a star and, uh, I guess the zombie orchestra was pretty fucking badass, all told, uh, for, for what Daryl calls a ridiculous detour, which I think it, that's literally what it is. <laughs> uh, it's just something that they're like, Hey, look, isn't this a cool thing? We're not going to comment on it or nothing. It's just going to be the cold open. What what did you think of this little mishmash, clay and iron type episode? Well, I want nothing to do with the sober introspective The Walking Dead. Uh, <laughs> Daryl Dixon <laughs> needs done. to be, yeah, it needs to be zombie orchestras. It needs to be just full on insanity, like the nightclub. That's what I want The Walking Dead to be now. Just be that underground catacombs nightclub, and I'm happy. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know that... I hope they lean more into that because I thought the zombie orchestra was one of the most over the top, ridiculously cool things I've seen the walking dead do. It's just so fucked up, right? The uh, horn section. <laughs> dude, the, the, the wind instruments were definitely my favorite. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I love that stuff. I, I don't know about the rest of it. The rest of it is fine. Whatever. The, the, see, the walking Dead's never going to hit the highs of other shows that do this other stuff better. So, why try? Why bother? Let's just make this I've, fun. Well, you know, I feel like with some of these miniseries, they have an option. Like, you know, uh, they made a lot. They made some good X-Men. Then they made a lot of bad X-Men. And then they made Logan, which was like a departure. And just like, oh, my God, this is like almost like, a, you know, uh, a Clint Eastwood type Western, you know, in its feel and its grandiosity and its themes and things like that. I don't mm-hmm. know why you can't like just decide we're going to course correct on a brand new continent. Uh, this is, we're going to be visiting a city of light and like uh, 
you know, like a city that just epitomizes across the globe worldliness and culture. And we're going to do something different with it. And I think they are doing that, but they also feel like they have to also, like, if there's an episode that doesn't have a zombie shambling up and grabbing somebody, it's a failure. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, because we have, it's it's funny because there's a lot of feedback. Uh, like, like six different people came up to ask us, like, you know, you mentioned it in the preview, but, like, why aren't you harping on the, like, the similarities between this and The Last of Us? And, like... When they said that, it just realized that I had never even considered this in terms of The Last of Us because they're like, The Last of Us is a project that is confident enough to go an episode, maybe two, maybe three, without so much as seeing a zombie. But man, when you see him, it's fucking impactful. And -hmm. all the stuff in between, you know, with the people and uh, the characters uh, is all so fascinating. And, And like, so it's like. Yeah, I guess this is a very similar structure, but like I don't like I don't not I do not think of Joel and uh, Ellie when I think of Daryl and Laurent, and and to me, no. like the big difference is Isabel. You know, uh, Joel didn't have that adult person uh, to kind of like share the load and uh, you know someone that like the the kid trusts. Um, so like they were forced to kind of like build that bond. And I don't feel that happening. Like if anything, Laurent's got a little bit of hero worship with Daryl and Daryl just is like, just at this point, three episodes in wants to be shot at the situation. So like, I, yeah, like that's the thing is like, this show doesn't have that confidence. This show does have to force an action set piece every week, or it feels like it's, it's not, it's not doing what it's doing. And that's sad. I wish, I wish they did have opportunities for like these mini series to just, you know, like either swing for defenses in one direction. Like Daryl would have been a fun subject to, to tr- mm-hmm. crank it up to eleven and go full world, uh, you know, Z Nation. But mm-hmm. also, he's a good mm-hmm. enough actor, and this is like you know, interest, you know, an- enough talent and scenery that they could have done serious. So it's just, just still The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I think this is what The Walking Dead will always be. I don't know. I, I don't really. Do you think look the writers' it, room? is a lot like the orchestra where they just have a couple of brainless uh, idiots chained <laughs> to typewriters and they're just flailing around and, you know, you, well, after if, enough if they're of brainless that. idiots, it's because they signed on to do the walking dead and it turned them into that. Right. I'm sure these people had full lives, uh, yeah. plenty of intelligence before signing the contract before becoming undead. And now this is their fate. Having said that, I would absolutely sign up for the writer's room of Rick and Michonne. I, I have I have decades of Walking Dead watching experience, encyclopedic knowledge of the world and lore. Uh, and my AP English teacher just really thought well of, of, of my, my work in high school. So, like, I, nice. you know, I hear the strikes over. Sign me up to the guild. Let's 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 heal this franchise together. I'll not, be that idiot. Do, I'll be you... that brainless idiot. Chain you me can up. do some AI voice acting too. I mean, you got a pretty good angry Rick, and we know Rick's going to be pretty angry. True. When he comes back and sees the states, he finds out Michonne abandoned their children just to find him. He's just not mm-hmm. going to even believe mm-hmm. it. <laughs> anyway, they're very yeah, so minor that's children. This episode. <laughs> uh, maybe we should get into the recap. Yeah, let's do it. We start off with Daryl's group arriving in. Uh, I'm going to call it Angers because that's how it's spelled. Angers, France. Uh, yep. They can radio from there to get their next set of directions. So they go to try and meet their contact in a theater to find a radio. They leave Laurent and Sybil outside. Sybil? Is that her name? Shit, I can never remember her name. She's in each episode for like half a scene. Uh, 
inside they meet their contact who takes them to the radio which works about as well as the radio back at the abbey and it turns out he's used some of the parts to create a zombie orchestra wow wow this is fucked up and hilarious i love everything about it yeah the the dude i mean it it it, the more i watched the more clever it was you got the one zombie with the tongue plot plucking the harp you get the 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 trumpets shoved down the esophaguses of the Mm -hmm. the horn section the one zombie who's had its jaw removed and like its clarinet surgically implanted into its mouth yep yeah uh it's 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 just a treat um i did i i did think because like i you know growing up in the midwest you always you know you go to these towns and it's like versailles right and napoleon and all these other things and i'm always like god damn what the fuck why were our ancestors so ignorant and then i get and then i see angers which is pronounced and i'm like okay I'm a shoeless peasant that slapped a mule's ass from Boston to Southern Indiana. And I finally found a, 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 a clearing that I want to call my own. And, and I, and I look to the learned people of France for a name and I see Versailles. Yeah. That's going to be Versailles. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I got, I got a whole new, like a whole new uh, sense of empathy for my, my poor ancestors uh, trying to, trying to give highfalutin names to their, uh, shitty pieces of midwestern real estate appropriated yeah. from the the, the natives uh, uh of course but should have just come up with yeah. new names I, I don't know why we can't create new names over here not well, everything why, has or, to be or why a new we york just, or why isn't it acceptable for americans to pronounce foreign words with a an accent like everyone it's ever gets real ass mad uh, if you, you if you if you throw angers out there but like <laughs> I don't know how many people live in Angers, but yeah, they probably do. <laughs> uh, the people of Angers really angry about it, you know. Yeah, but like it what angers the fuck? Them, I'd say. Look at look at look at look at this look at this look at this look at this look at the look at this look at the words look at the words look at diacritic marks what what, what am I, I I we don't have those we don't have diacritic marks in America we have uh, contractions uh, mm-hmm. where we like get rid of the useless words that we don't pronounce. I, I like France has got those and they just add more. I, I just, I, it's, I, it's, it's more than I can understand. Uh, okay. Let's, let's talk highbrow for a second. Yes. I, I kind of like this idea of using the dead to keep culture alive, right? He's saying, Oh, culture is alive in Paris or whatever. And, and he's, it's interesting using the tools that he's been given in this world to create the new culture of this new world through the old culture i i don't know there's something really interesting there that they're doing behind all of this insanity uh that i liked i don't know no i agree they're definitely they're they're got something there um but it's like it's 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 a really funny vignette because like daryl and isabel arrive they find this guy who probably at one point ran an outpost like the nest or and like uh what what we saw in mm-hmm. france and you know he's the last guy alive and he kind of gave up hope started cannibalizing the radio for spare parts and now look at him and i, I and i got the clear intent that we're that this man's dead like he, oh yeah he's finally finally found a soul and i almost like he knew it too like i finally found someone mm-hmm. to appreciate this mm-hmm. and i'm going to put on a concert for an audience and it's going to kill me yeah and there, like i said there is something really poignant about that 
and it is something that like would go into a better show uh For sure. even though it is the wildest craziest element of the of, of the episode yeah that music he's playing you know attracts walkers outside and daryl and isabel leave this crazy old guy as he's still playing with his his musical uh troop here Daryl goes outside, shoots the walker, and it attracts a whole bunch of other walkers as they ride away. And that's that's when I assume, yeah, he's dead. They're they're gonna come in, attracted by this music, and just murder him. Right. Uh, but you, they just they don't show us that. They just kind and of they'll die off. happy because he created because he created art art to uh, uh, at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like Daryl's just like this is a stupid detour kind of. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just like lit- it for literally sure is. Yeah, like this was the thing she wa- why why did she want to take this path like are they suggesting that deep down unconsciously she knew that Quinn might be there waiting for her and she's like putting off that meeting because like yeah I I think it's it's hard for her so she's delaying the inevitable so it's just hard for her to be in a city like not like Quinn being there because I I was like man in in Paris yeah yeah it's it's because like I was trying to think like do I buy that someone could bump into somebody in Paris in a zombie apocalypse and I guess it makes it's like it's one of those things where if they I don't, I don't know is it any weirder than that they'd met in the middle of some other place because like he is from Paris and he's kind of like was was uh it seems like both of them are kind of people who lived in the margins of society so it kind of makes sense that he might rise to the top of some kind of quasi you know gray market uh off the books enterprise you know like it's, yeah it's barely believable uh it, it's right on the ragged edge i mean with so many people in paris so like i guess it's okay that he stayed there it's okay that yeah he might rise to the top of some kind of organization underground yeah, if she goes back to the place where they lived before, sure. Like, all of these are, like, borderline, and together they mm-hmm. add up to something that is very borderline believable. Yeah. Which I'm I'm okay with. I guess I'll go with that. Uh, they're, they're really, like, fast-forwarding all of this stuff, too, because we don't have a ton of episodes in this mm-hmm. season, so... I guess they really wanted to get us to Paris and start doing things because we've covered hundreds and hundreds of miles in the last Dude, three I was episodes. shocked. We the went two. like you'll recall we went to a very far western detour to get to mm-hmm. uh Angers in the first point, and now we're gonna go back, you know, hundreds more miles to Paris. And they're just yeah, like the 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 trip from southern France to Paris happened in two episodes. That was because you you remember yeah. I was thinking like oh we might get to Paris in episode five. So, mm-hmm. but it looks like they're going to do a lot more with this uh, Genet character, Genet. Yeah, uh, which I've been calling Ginnet because <laughs> uh-huh. sure. uh, I only saw it on, on subtitles. So Janae's uh, uh, army, the the power of the living. I think that that's the same group. Uh, yeah, it's tough for me to tell. I, I think so. I think so. Right. I don't know, but but yeah, they get they get to Paris here. They've been writing for a while. Um, they're they're outside Paris. They're looking at the Eiffel Tower from a distance here. Walk into the city. Um. Kind of give Daryl a tour of the land and the culture a little bit. Uh, and then they're found by people who know about Laurent. 
uh, this guy named Falu and his group. Yeah. I really like this. Uh, I, I Something tickled me about the sequence of them walking through France with the doors, strange people, or people are strange playing in the background. And then they get arrived at a cemetery, famous cemetery in France where, you know, they have uh, Moliere, the, the, the author of Don Juan and Prost and uh, La Foutine. Uh, and and Daryl's like, oh, where's Jim Morrison? And I yeah. thought that was just the one. And he's like recognize. this. Yeah, he's this American that died in Paris, and you know you can see kind of like Daryl, like huh, like processing that. And Laurent, like, ah, oh, don't worry, Daryl, you're not going to be an American that dies in Paris. I thought <laughs> it's all cute. I thought it was it was cool. Uh, I really like going past the par- uh, Pantheon in France, and it just has that huge banner it's, uh, that says "Flee," and for, like that's like mm. fucking metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I, most of the city, like I was actually impressed. There was one where they're going over a bridge where you could definitely tell there's a lot of green screen being used. But most of the shit that they were doing, I was thinking, was at least the Last of Us standards, like going through the ruins of Boston. I thought it fa- uh, compared favor- favorably to that. If we're going to be making comparisons, sure. Yeah, no, it looks good. Um, for the most part, this uh, I, I do wonder how they filmed this cemetery scene with the Jim Morrison gravestone because apparently that's a very big tourist attraction. I had to shut uh, it down. There's a couple things where it's like they clearly didn't. Like there was a couple things mm-hmm. I think they did on a soundstage with green screens and some things they did actually on location and scuffed it up. And I, I feel like the graveyard is the latter. Man, you could do that. You could just buy out the graveyard if you have enough money. Hmm. I bet. I mean, everything's for sale. Uh, I did. Did you get the idea that people are still putting roses on Jim Morrison's? Because he has fresh roses on his grave in the apocalypse. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. <laughs> I thought like yeah, the like the the Bohemians like still have enough appreciation for Alton culture that someone is making a regular pilgrimage here to make sure there's still flowers on Morrison's grave. Yeah. It's Quinn. Maybe he's a big fan. I don't know. Could be. Uh, I assume that's the only thing that, aside from the Eiffel Tower, that Daryl would recognize in France, right? Like, what else is he going to recognize? Probably. I don't know. I was thinking um, the Arc de Triomphe, the Louvre. Would he recognize the glass triangle? I don't know. Like, he said, like, maybe. But he'd be like, yeah, that's that pointy pointy French building or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. He, uh, a lot, of, a lot of pointy buildings in France, it turns out, in the tower. Yeah. And, but the, yeah, I mean, he says in this episode that before the apocalypse came, he didn't think much, if at all. So, like, yeah, he's probably... Yeah. <laughs> probably doesn't know much other than the Eiffel Tower. True. Um, I uh, thought he, uh, is, he is akin to a kindred spirit with Jim Morrison. This uh, this thing written on his tombstone it translates roughly to true to his own spirit. That feels like Daryl. Yeah. I think Daryl would like Jim I, I meant to. I did a whole bunch of other research on different uh, France that mostly proved fruitless. But like, I, I I did wonder like, why did Jim Morris? I get you die in Paris, but like, you just get buried why there. Buried there was yeah. that by his request? I could see it. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I thought so. Like, if you want to look ahead at what's uh, heading or what's coming down our way, they cite this um, fairy tale author uh, La Foutine. Uh, and his this story of uh, this parable of a wary woodsman who wants to die. And when death finally comes, he has a change of heart and instead asks for help carrying his burdens. This 
I don't think is Daryl yet, but I think it's going to be Daryl at the end of this season. Well, it's definitely Isabel too, right? Um, well, she's not a wary woodsman. Like he literally is all these things. But yeah, yeah, no, you're sure, right. Sure, they're sure. they're definitely twinning their themes and yeah. storylines. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. Well, he's gonna have to ask for help, which is something Daryl doesn't do very often. Right. Uh, let's go to Falu taking Daryl's group to their home, which is a self-sustaining community, 64 people strong. Daryl just wants to get to the radio. Unfortunately, the radio has wings and a beak because it's a homing pigeon. <laughs> and they let it fly and say, yeah, it could be a month before we get a response. Daryl says, nah. Uh-huh. And then he, he wants to go, I don't know, find another way. And Falu says, hey, we could trade for a radio if we have the right currency. Isabel's like, yeah, I know where we can get some. We'll go in the morning. Daryl's face when they start explaining how this is all going to work and this guy talking about the pigeon having a girlfriend and just like nah yeah he's like yeah fuck this uh, is <laughs> is really funny um, one, one of the other concepts I really liked in this was this idea of Paris crying um, the, the Eiffel Tower has been damaged and when the wind hits it in a certain way the metal moves and groans and you can hear it across the city and it's he he describes it as Paris crying. I, man, it, it, they're doing something really cool in this episode about That's what like, I mean. the state also, of Paris, but and it ties man, back to and the spirit the, of the people and all that, you know. And it ties back to the other guy making music out of wounded, broken things, right? Uh-huh. Um, and, and something and this, beautiful and they this also underground nightclub that's you know preserving the art and the the soul of Paris, uh, the Bohemian soul, yeah. There's and a lot Isabel of cool stuff in there. Daryl both are, uh, t- t- you know, say that they're they're both broken things that were healed through the apocalypse. So there's like, mm-hmm, yeah, like mm-hmm. uh, coming up with something new, beautiful, and joyous out of something broken and fragile. I, I, yeah, yeah, like I said, that's what I, I meant. Like this is an episode kind of being torn in two by it's <laughs> like it, it, it's like it's citing all this great French poetry and philosophy and. These artworks by Monet, the 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 series of the Water Lily series, and yet, you know, it's also chained to its legacy of The Walking Dead, which is not a show that people take this seriously. So, <laughs> very true. A bunch of frustrated French literature nerds trying to trying to flex and uh, just just not working. The other thing I can't quite get over is how no one in France has ever been this willing to speak English for the sake of Americans before the fall. <laughs> now they're all like, oh yeah, we'll speak it, no problem. Before, yeah. if you wanted a baguette, you better be able to fucking order it in proper French, otherwise get the hell out. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> um, I, I but I, the other thing I think you're supposed to notice is like how the French communities live versus like the ones we've seen in America. Like it just seems better. Like, I'd rather be in a random French commune than anything I've seen in America. Like, they are, like, running full-blown fucking nightclubs. And they're, (laughs) you know, running these benevolent interfaith nun convents. And, like, it just seems pretty pretty rad. And then there's there's the experimenting to create new breeds of zombies and murdering people on boats. This is so. true, but but Jenny's not running around beating people with barbed baseball bats, and she's letting the said nightclub run without interference. Like there, I don't know. It's a little yeah. The French, I, you know, like the, the the French, 
You gotta give it to them when, when credit's due. Sure. Sure. I mean, they're not a party. Place... They know how to live well. It seems like they got their shit more together than uh, Deanna did. I mean... Oh, by a damn sight. Yeah. Her community was just a wreck. I just this seems like it's running very course. I mean, maybe it's just the presence of Daryl. Like Daryl arrives at this community in 24 hours and it's getting its ass kicked in by the jackbooted. Th- it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe maybe the reason that the communities are all chill is they don't have Rick Michonne and Daryl running around. <laughs> nah, you know, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I noticed that Sybil seems pretty happy to talk to someone her own age for once because she's she's pretty young. She, oh, I don't, Sylvie? I don't know if she's a teenager. Sylvie, Sylvie, Sybil, whatever Sylvie, her name is. Yeah. Sylvie. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's talking to, I don't know this Bast- dude's name either. Bastion. Because yeah. he introduces all of them at the same time, and I don't know which is which, but sure. Yeah, Bast- Bastion. Bastion Bastion is the, the young man who is testing this woman's marriage to Christ. <laughs> sure. Like, she's already know. smiling I, I at him like because he's a... is null is null and void after the apocalypse. I don't, I don't think... Look, God and sends yet, down this many she... plagues. <laughs> You're able to, to you know, renege on that contract. And yet, she took the vows after the fall. So, what do you? So, what? What do you say to that? Um, I, I say it was all null and void, invalid contract. No, she was kind of smiling and blushing around when he was just being a good-looking guy. Then he takes her to club and busts out some moves. Yeah, it's over. Mm-hmm. It's over. Mm-hmm. It's over. Gee, <laughs> the the lamb of hosts is going to get cucked. I'm afraid. <laughs> It happens all too often. Yeah. Uh, do you think with this constant bait and switch with the radio that Daryl's ever going to get a working radio? It's almost being played for laughs at this point. Yes. We're like, like Daryl's like, uh huh, uh huh. What about that radio? Oh, do you hear that, mon ami? <laughs> it is Paris weeping. And he's like, okay, what about this? Oh, let me take you to our comms guy in another couple minutes of. French Jerry Lewis Pratt falls happen and it's like what well, this radio oh it's the pit yeah it's 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 got like a comic rhythm I think mm-hmm. I agree uh, once an episode I expect him to find a radio that's not a radio or a radio that doesn't work and now it's about a boat like it's gonna not gonna be about the radio it's gonna be about a boat so there's gonna be a lot of comedy yeah. about uh, uh, French people in the, oh yeah I have a, I have a means of conveyance and like mm-hmm. it's gonna be, I don't know, seventeen man of war rigged together paracord and and a broken <laughs> <Sure>. paddle. <laughs> it's uh-huh. like you know, it's like one of those things. Dara's gonna like nah. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Watching Dead. We'll be right back. Here's what's new and premium content for our club members. No lunch this week, as I'll be traveling on vacation, but get ready for next week when we have the rare, elusive, dare I say premium lunch with Talitha and Aaron. And while you're waiting for the return of the king, don't forget May is the time to switch your Patreon tiers to make sure you maintain your full benefits by June. Stop by support.ballmove.com to check your Patreon levels to see the new benefits and decide which one is right for you. And finally, tickets are now on sale for Badass Fest 6. Come meet us live and in person, watch a mystery badass film with us, and then hear us record the podcast right there in front of you in a theater packed with Bald Move fans. Get your details and your tickets at baldmove.com live. 
If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com right now to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content plus ad-free feeds. You've been listening to quite a few Bald Move podcasts now, but you're not in the club? Whoo boy, you are missing out. Not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad-free, but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club. There's a weekly lunch with Jim and Aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from TV and films, food, fun, life advice, and more. But there's also Off the Clock, our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds. Plus, you get access to our full spoiler-filled first-run movie reviews of our newly released films. Don't forget Instant Take and Talk Podcast, where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members, with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is reward unto itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today. Daryl's still kicking. Here's more of The Watching Dead. Daryl seems to react to the phrase, we all have a person who waits for us somewhere. Is How much has he given up on Rick? Is Rick his person? Is Connie his person? Is like Who think, is this person that he's reacting for? They pumped the brakes hard on that Connie thing. I know. Season, Carol? Which, Carol? I mean... I think it's still Carol. I think it's Carol or it could be like Judith... Okay. He's got okay. an important relationship with her, but like when I think of the person that is waiting for him, I, I I go right to Carol. Sure, that's that's the deepest relationship he's had in this show. Hundred percent. Um, it, but I think that's like the the hope part of the truth and hope, right? The idea that yeah, it's very unlikely that the people that we loved wherever we were from survived this experience, but we can always hope. Hmm. Uh, then, the, then the second half of the scene is they see Laurent being given offerings from the community, and he spots someone whose husband died a few days ago and is inconsolable, and he walks up and instantly consoles her. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what my notes. That's exactly what I, I put in my notes <laughs> yeah. to the word. Um, uh-huh. I don't know. I actually think it's way more interesting if they explore the possibility that Daryl outlies at the end of this towards the end of this episode that what if he's just a normal kid and you guys have all needed him to be special. You know, because mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he's like, I don't know what I did to consult. This woman's been told the story of this uh, chosen one child and I mean, look, I used to be a Jehovah's Witness and it, like in, in, in my not very long career, like at least once or twice, you knock on a person's door who's having like a fucking crisis, you mm-hmm. know, like a mental health crisis, a family crisis, 
and a man of God on their doorstep with a scripture. And it's just like, oh, you know, oh, my God, I was just praying for something last night or this morning. People make like so this woman has been heard as his chosen child. Her husband dies like two days ago and he shows up and gives her a hug. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know that there's any there there. This all feels like flim flam. But of course. And and the other thing is, like, they haven't told the kid about his purpose. So, like, he kind of takes in stride all these people just giving him shit. Like, it's it's like Neo in uh, the second Matrix, where it's like every time he gets off to Nebuchadnezzar, he has to, like, wade through a bunch of people giving him bowls of rice and, you know, tofu curry and things because he's the chosen one. And I, I felt like they that, that's another symptom of the series being a little bit stretch too thin and stuff too full is that like I don't know that 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 moment seemed like it would have been landed better if he like fully appreciated it or maybe that's the point is like they're 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 having him look confused and him like doing things instinctively but I, I guess this is me rambling to say do you think there's anything there there or do you think that there it's it's all going to be like Daryl says the adults needing their lives to, yeah. to make meaning I mean, it definitely feels like that to me, and, and I don't know. I mean, obviously, the show goes to the supernatural, right? The undead themselves are pretty supernatural, so they could go to some kind of, you know, actual savior here, but I, I don't think so. I, th- I think, you know, there, there's a line in here about God, uh, God chooses our burdens, and I'm like, well, you're the one who named the kid after a saint you're the one who's been lying to him not telling him what you think about like his true nature and all this you're putting those burdens on yourself and him you know but but it's something she needed at the time right she just lost her sister she just lost the world she's now got this child she has to care for she needs this to be something more than just like i'm stuck in a shitty situation yeah and and yeah, yeah, yeah. You said. Yeah, it. I, I think it's just that. I, I don't. I don't think there's anything to Laurent being like some kind of literal savior figure. Yeah. Um. That, if he is a savior, it's only through like what he represents for people. And so many of those pithy sayings, like "God chooses our burdens," can be turned around to be like, "Yeah, and God's chosen to burden you with the knowledge that you've wasted this kid's life turning him into a messiah, and you know you're going to feel as guilty about that as you do about." you know, Emily or uh, Amy's sham- shambling ass this episode. Like, I think they would set that up too. Like these are, I mean, we don't know it yet, but like we see a child that she let down. And I think you're supposed to understand that she's doing the same thing with Laurent unless Daryl's just completely out of left field. And I don't, you know, it's, he's got the name on the show. I, I think he's probably got a point here. <laughs> yeah. Does seem like he's going to get guilted into taking this kid farther though. Um, and Daryl, like I said, there's, there's some really great nonverbal acting by Norman Reedus because he's just off his side seeing all of this, like, Faroe, those, you know, being like, Sacre Blue, Pierre Jean was right. And, you know, everybody's taking this as, like, a sign, you know, mm-hmm. this kid giving a hug. <laughs> yeah. And making a woman smile. Uh, so Sad Max goes to see Jeannet. He plays Daryl's tape for her, proving he's alive, and offers to get, go get him for her. She hires him and then shows him an experiment where they're working on, uh, I think, I think making extra strong walkers. I don't know. They can only get him to survive for 18 seconds. I assume they're making an army of the dead. 
Yeah, what was that? Uh, was it Bubs? Was the yeah, the Bub. zombie they're trying to train to sh- hold a gun in Day of the Dead? Uh-huh. Yep. <sighs> God damn it, Jim. After 12 years, you've almost made me a zombie zombie expert. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know a thing or two. I went from zero to the dropping Bubs references in 12 years. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what... I, and, and Janae is an interesting person. She's like this, like completely buttoned down tight-laced military commander that the second she gets behind closed doors rolls up a dube mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to to have a meeting with one of her lieutenants that she's never met like that that's an interesting choice right that says something that she's got a little bit of the boheme in her as well maybe perhaps yeah is that that's why, why she lets and... quinn do his thing yeah yeah um but mm-hmm. i i it really like this fucking voice recorder paying off this way really bugs the yeah. shit out of me because I we called us like there there in no universe does Daryl mm-hmm. go through record play. his inner monologue get the fuck out of here yeah he has one let alone record <laughs> yeah it. like like Daryl's gonna start at the age of fifty three in a zombie apocalypse keeping up a diary and then he's gonna yeah yeah, yeah I I this that's mm. it's real dumb uh but what are you gonna do that's the show. Yeah, especially can he play? It's like I'm Daryl Dixon. I'm from Alexandria. I'm the man you're looking for. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just, but I, I it, everything else I actually like about this Codron guy. I think uh, Codrol. Uh, I think he like the the he said I I promised my parents because she's like, well, why should I trust you? Why should you know? Um, you know why? Why should I believe you're the man of the job that he's escaped so many of our our best troops? And he goes, "I'm the guy who's never going to quit because I promised my parents I'd looked after my brother, and this fucking American made a liar out of me." Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was that was a really cool, great motivation, and it's a, a great way to to tell this person, uh, "Yeah, trust me with this important job." Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, yeah, it's it's immediately ingratiating, right? What do you think about this experiment? What do you think? Uh... I mean, they clearly they're, they're making it strong, right? Most walkers couldn't rip their way out of uh, shackles. Chains. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. So they're strengthening it. But they're still uh, very, very weak, like, structurally, you know? Like, it's... I expected it to start rampaging. I'm like, why aren't these people running? This is glass between them and this walker. is just going to plow right through it, and then it smashes up against the glass and dies. Well... But its brain was bur- bubbling, like its brain was exploding. So it's like I don't know that, it, like, yeah. he, like that. At first, I thought that too. It's like, well, that's anticlimactic. It runs into glass and and kills itself. Like I just watched, or mm-hmm. I'm about to mm-hmm. watch zombies plummet from a seven floor f- f- a story window and and get up. Like what the hell? But like as mm-hmm. his head is against the wall, like his brain just bur- bubbles and explodes. Like he got ex- exposed to VX nerve gas and and the rock. Uh, so like, yeah. Is so is like my question is is the zombie super strength the point or is this an uh, a, a attempt to cure zombieism and it just had a weird side effect uh, or are they trying I to like create yeah. new like they've seen zombies evolve and now they're trying to like create the conditions to well I so that's the thing I don't know if they've seen zombies evolve or if one of their experiments got in, got out into the wild and has taken and that's over that's what the flaming like, zombies the burners, are bur- boilers whatever they're called are yeah <laughs> like cheetahs zombies are like cheetos they come in flavors now they got the <laughs> uh-huh. flaming hot the extra cheesy uh, yeah I, I don't know I, I don't know I, I, it's, what to it's think a cool, here 
it's a cool idea. It's another one where the Walking Dead feels like they're caught. Like the 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 Z Nation move would be to have a whole bunch of video game zombies that all have a bunch of special powers and stuff. But that's like mm-hmm. w- way further away than most of the stuff they're trying to do in Daryl Dixon. We'll see. I don't know. They got a I mean, zombie kinda. head in a in, in in a glass jar. I was thinking like that says zombie science. Mm-hmm. That's a serious zombie scientist when you got a, a living a living quotation mark zombie head in the jar in your laboratory. Yeah. Either that or crazy man like the governor. Uh, There's Darryl... science being done. Poindexter was doing science. That's true. He was doing legit science. Uh, Daryl and Isabel go to her old apartment and look at photos. Isabel grabs a bunch of stolen goods and cocaine to use as currency. She tells Daryl about a bar that her friends used to go to where they talked about changing the world. Daryl says, I've never done much thinking. Despite that, they're kindred spirits. It's remarkable how noncommittal he is to this. Like, he is trying very hard to keep her at arm's length. Like, you know, she's, Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, like, hey, I'm glad. uh, It's like, we're the same, you and I, broken till the world ends. He's eh, maybe. And he's like, glad we crossed paths. He's like, yeah, it's time for us to go. And it's like, and I think it's because he understands that he, she can, he can feel her trying to wrap the tendrils of sympathy around him. Like, mm-hmm. we well, can't go Daryl to break Laurent's heart. We need a strong fighter. But, and he's like, yeah, you've lied to me from day one about this fucking radio situation. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not committing to any more. I, I just want the radio, man. I just want my, <laughs> and, boat. and I've, I've got my people at home. Like, I, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's the real driving force, right? He wants to get back to his people. He doesn't want to find new people here. Because that's the other thing. I think the other subtext of Isabel is that she's never really found her people. Like the yeah. nuns mm-hmm. were an alliance of convenience that she jumped into because that the only purpose she had to live was her sister's kid at that point. But yep. she, like, you know, you can see how she's attracted to the stuff going on at the nightclub. She's like, you know, wistful about that. And I think that's a part of it too, is that Daryl is much closer to the type of person she is than anybody else. And she doesn't have that family that he's trying to get back to, mm-hmm. which I don't know. Maybe she'll Makes be a sense. main character of the, I mean, he Dead didn't universe. have it before either. Right. I mean, like Daryl has taken a long journey to find his people and he started right. out as this loner, uh, also. So he had to kill some of his family to, to hold yeah, on to his family. Literally. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they were looking at these photos here and it seems like we were right about Quinn he is some sort of previous love interest right um, boyfriend probably not a husband it didn't seem that serious um, but Daryl's like oh yeah, he's looking at these photos he's like you upgraded oh, oh I mean with God there's this awkward moment where he thinks oh I hope she doesn't think i mean me but he yeah, could have said me upgraded. and been just as right uh, it's to, uh, he know? totally could have he totally could have he's, he's daryl uh, fucking dixon <laughs> um and so the, the bit it's a little bit more complex than that because quinn also had a relationship yes what feels like a romantic relationship with isabel too and maybe that's why it was secret with isabel you mean lily no, I'm saying that I think he had a physical relationship with Isabel. Yeah, 100%. That's what we're okay. seeing in the scene. And he was scene. cheating on her yes. with Lily. Okay, uh, that's... Okay. I, I was, yeah, I was, yeah I was, everything they, we they, deduced last episode is... We find out is true this episode. They threw me a little off the track when she started talking about her neighbors and there was this boy that the neighbors were... And I'm like, oh, I wonder if they're going to go with that's, you know, Hickey or Quinn or whatever. Uh, Quinn. Um, 
but no i think that yeah that they 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 were in some sort of relationship he's cheating on her with lily that's why everyone is being cagey about everything probably imagine lily's like i haven't told you i'm pregnant because i'd have to answer way too many questions um mm-hmm. yeah for sure but the no, fact that like every, every beat of this show we have we have seen coming kind of a mile away true um ex- except for the many many miles we covered to get to paris in episode true. three Thought we get they'd save the cat. I thought the catacombs would be a lot more zombie-rific and uh-huh, uh-huh. but but why but you know when I was thinking about it, I'm like, why would they? They're like like you just can't walk into the catacombs right. right now in France, and like there's no living people down there. Why would there be teams of zombies unless they did mm-hmm. something like in The Last of Us where like a exactly uh, you know like the yeah, like the military and the last is like drove them all under there, but clearly that's not what happened. So like the cat, it's and it's also an interesting contrast that like the top side of France is like dangerous and teeming with zombies, but the necropolis is mm-hmm. like a safe zone for humans to live. Love it. I can say the show is like like a, like a zombie musician flailing at some cool things and beating a drum every once in a while, but it just can't yeah. can't quite string <laughs> notes together. No, I definitely want to talk more about the catacombs here in a second. Um, the, the currency here that they're grabbing, fancy watches, eight balls, uh, worth something in the apocalypse? I, I feel like, co- why would cocaine, unless it's like mass quantities of cocaine, why would cocaine be worth anything? Why is a little baggie worth anything? You're telling like, me th- that there's you're a, a tr- 25-year-old soldier mm-hmm. that never knew cocaine and only heard the story you've you've seen goodfellas and you've seen (laughs) you haven't seen goodfellas (laughs) uh unless you watch it with your dad at 12 years old that's what i'm saying like i mean you know that's that's a lot of people but you you see all this and like and someone says i've got an eight ball of genuine pre-apocalypse colombian cocaine Mm -hmm. that's not worth something yeah you can never do it again but like, Here's the thing. I think that would be these, price, literally priceless. These people make terrible trades all the time. I mean, hazelnuts for weapons is just the dumbest trade I can think of. Let's let's give you something that you're going to use for all of 30 seconds, the hazelnuts, for something that is literally a lifesaver in this world. Yeah, but if I got a hundred guns and I'm fiending for the taste of Nutella, <laughs> I might make that trade. Yeah, I mean I the man with one Nutella. gun, the man with one gun does not trade for a handful of hazelnuts. The man who was like is like security or a high-ranking member of the Paris underworld who has. I mean, he is a just... bohemian, I guess. So he's not a serious person. Like he he's looking to live it up before he dies, not preserve his own life and maybe recreate a society here <laughs> he's uh, just looking to eat a few hazelnuts before he goes plus apparently quinn forbids the uses of weapons there and which like seems in the club, insane yeah. in the club right uh, oh because everyone's know. everyone's weapons stay in the freezer yeah yeah seems it seems dangerous of a zombie horde game to get him but i guess they feel very secure in the, the catacombs yeah i guess maybe he's not training for weapons he's just saying put your weapons in the freezer he's trading for information hazelnuts for information that's a great trade because information you get to keep that's yeah. the beautiful thing about trading information you still have you trade it once multiple you trade times it. Yeah, 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 yeah it's like copying that floppy nothing was lost you still have your floppy i just have it now too <laughs> uh i i could have sworn i recognize this broken until the world ends 
ended uh line was that said earlier or was that just a scene that they put in the trailer it might be a scene they put in the trailer just uh, talking about how kindred it. spirits the, the yeah, Isabel yeah. and Daryl are yeah um and then we go what, over what'd you yeah. think of uh because we we kind of skipped past what do you think of Daryl picking a lock with a burning zombie yeah so this scene where Daryl and Isabel go to leave they're walking oh I thought we already went to the, the club back. I'm sorry, sorry no we were just talking out of school here or out of turn uh, they, they go to the back. They spot Scooter Girl, which boom, we called that again. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, then the happening starts happening. Walkers are falling out of windows, burning the ground around them. Uh, they're surrounded by burners, so Daryl uses one to burn their way through the gate. I guess he's not burning the gate itself. He's burning the vines that are the vines holding yeah. the gate shut. Yeah. I mean, I. I guess I saw what it did to his skin. It might work. I thought it was pretty cool. What I didn't think was cool is the zombies surviving a seven full story drop into cement. Well, these like are to super me, zombies. the way to do that is you have you know a couple of them plummet from a height, but then you see one from yeah. like one or two stories up, and the glass is cracking, and it's like that's it's like. It, but I don't, I don't know, I don't know. There's like this is a trend, and it's something I don't like that I've really noticed the last year or two of people putting our characters in mortal danger that they shouldn't be or way too much for them to survive and it's just like i i don't know i don't i I don't i don't get it like i don't know why it's worth giving like oh my god that zombie got back you're breaking your universe's rules to give us a momentary shock and surprise at something well maybe they're they're establishing the new rules you know walkers uh, have evolved okay then daryl can uh, no no one can ever hit a zombie in the head with a baseball bat and kill it because i promise you a head first fall from seven floors is going to hit a lot harder than that baseball bat yeah i I mean that's the thing they want it simultaneously both ways right they want the walkers to be able to land flat on their heads and get back up but also and specifically i'm talking about burners they want them to be able to land on their heads get back up but also daryl to be able to put a pipe through the base of their skull and kill them, right? Yeah. They don't want to make them actually as resilient as they'd need to be to survive that fall. And that's something I appreciated about the Kang era is I felt like she paid a lot more attention to that and reined in kind of like, well, if we do that, that contradicts and her name is on the title sequence. She's still, you know, making money as executive producer, but she's not otherwise involved. And I feel like you're starting to see some of the, um, well, this is Scott Gimple's show, and that's the Scott Gimple era. Like, trade years of careful world building for one scene that's kind of sort of exciting. Sure. Uh, Scooter Girl, though. Scooter Girl. But that's so that's like, uh, to me, this is the other epitome of the show being torn in two directions. Like, this immediately harkens back to, like, Bicycle Girl, right? Obviously. Or, yeah. or the Teddy Bear Girl is the, probably the most direct analogy. And, like, you think about how that hits and how futile it is that like 12 years later to gin up the sad music and the you know the soft cinematography um and i guess it's it's i don't know it's like one of those things where it's like they're trying to go back to the frank darabont era and it just doesn't seem to work because yeah we're so far from that all the gimple all the all the gimple yeah totally i mean we're just miles away uh and they're trying to cover the ground from Marseille to Paris in a single day, a single episode, you know? But I did, you know, like it, it meant a lot to Isabel. And I think that they are going to set up something really interesting between juxtaposing Isabel and Amy 
I'm I'm sorry, Laurent and, and Amy, but we'll see. Yeah, there's this weird little sequence here where they're meeting up with Laurent his, and his friends uh, and Falou. And, and like before they actually meet up with them, they're kind of sitting in a tunnel just reflecting on what they just experienced. And Isabel's like, uh, yeah, I left her. And there's this, this weird beat. And then like it's interrupted by Laurent showing up. So mm. I, it felt just weird tonally. Yeah, they're like they're waiting, but that's my question. Is like, why are you going there and coming back? But, but I don't know the topography. Maybe it's uh, you know, these like it allows them to skip the dangerous part and not backpack or backtrack through rather. Yeah, I really don't know. Uh, but they meet up with Laurent and his friends. Uh, Isabel gives Laurent a picture of his mother, which makes him happy. And then Falou takes the group to make contact with the traitor. They traverse the catacombs and emerge in a nightclub. And Falu kind of goes off to find his contact, leaving the rest to their own devices. Um, and Daryl and Isabel look at art. Uh, okay, let's talk about the catacombs. Are the catacombs the most metal thing that exists on this planet? I mean... <laughs> you can make a strong... It's either it's- that or the bodies exhibit. Like, the two things I'm aware of that are the most <laughs> metal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like six million. To this the, the, so much death that you had to start making structures out of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I just thought it's a great that that line where he's like, uh, you know, America is a baby country. Paris has survived many apocalypses and will survive this one too. It's like, yeah, if you look at it from that, like, you know, like obviously ninety nine percent of the world's population is worse than what, but like, there's parts of Europe that wasn't it like a half two-thirds of the population uh like it i mean can you imagine like we just went through this covid thing which was like a just a just a Mm -hmm. a breath mint compared to the full course meal of apocalypse at that's like that every major city and around the world loses two-thirds of its people Mm -hmm. in like the space of a year or two insane uh but it it, 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 is thematically it makes a really really good point and like you said the catacombs what a great backdrop to this and the fact that it's you know that the 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 catacombs is the chrysalis that is you know protecting this metamorphosis of humanity into these artful bohemian beings. I, I really like that too. That that something, yeah. not just living but vivacious, is emerging from this death. And I can't I can't imagine in modern day doing anything like the catacombs, right? I mean, we we do create we do create stuff out of our dead, but it's out of sight. It's very like, we want to get the actual death out of sight and have this beautiful thing that we can put in its place, right? This tombstone uh, marker. Whereas Mm -hmm. in Paris, they've said, no, let's take the actual remains of the person and let's build them into something. It's so, I just can't imagine anything being done like that in modern society. Oh God, no. You want to build? We're, we're not but, comfortable enough with the life cycle of humans to do yeah. anything like that. We try and but, avoid confronting it at all costs. I would submit that killing two thirds of our adult population might change society. It in might ways reconnect that us with that. Find yeah. way, yeah. Because like the end, it's like, yo, why were they so obsessed with death and so morbid in the middle? Because like it was all around them, man. You uh-huh. know, it's it's we're we're lucky that uh, we have a little control over that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I did start 
a couple of uh, bone altars myself during COVID, but really, I don't think the, don't think the government would approve, so I'm not going to say where they are. Yeah. Just from the buckets of KFC that you ordered in? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I thought your entryway looked bones. a little, looked, looked, yeah, made me hungry for wings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the smell. The smell never really goes away, so you can enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. We're on Easy Street, and it feels so sweet. We'll be right back. Commission podcasts are an awesome feature here at Bald Move that allows you, the individual listener, to decide what we talk about for a single podcast. The community loves it because it often leads to fun fan favorite films and TV shows that we've overlooked getting the coverage they deserve. And we love it because we're constantly exposed to great stuff that's not even on our radar. The way it works is simple. You go to support.baldmove.com and you click on commissions. Then you pay the flat rate for the commission and tell us what two-ish hours of content you'd like us to make podcast on. Then we'll contact you for details, advanced feedback, and any dedications you'd like to make. Then we watch the thing, discuss the thing, turn it into a podcast, and pump it right into your ears. We get consistently great feedback on how much our commissioners love their podcast, and they make great gifts for the dedicated Bald Move fan in your life. And who knows, that dedicated fan could even be you. Treat yourself. Check out support.baldmove.com for more info. There is acid blood coursing through my veins. Welcome back to The Watching Dead. The Water Lilies reminds Daryl of home. How about that? I've never seen anything in Georgia that looks like that. I'm sorry. I could see it. A lake with some some lily pads. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally see it. It's cool, and I'm glad that someone's saving those Monets. Yeah, Um, it seems like Quinn is quite the art collector. He's collecting that old culture of Paris. I did find like, you know, they had this nightlife, this this nightclub in Paris and it's cool and all. But I'm like, is this weird enough for 12 years in the zombie apocalypse? Like this is just about weird yeah. enough for like a 2015 nightclub. Mm-hmm. It re- actually reminded me a lot of uh, in Schmigadoon, which is the musical parody series they got going on on Apple Plus. Um, you know, protagonists come to Chicago, which is a, a fantasy version of the Chicago um, and it's kind of like a Chicago cabaret mashup, but there's like, you know, this, a lot of, uh, uh, the, both of those musicals are, you know, these, these people talking about like how nonconformist they are and like, especially with cabaret, like what was nonconformist in like 1940s is kind of like passe. And it's like, you know, they're singing like mm-hmm. we have premarital sex and some of us have tattoos and some of our boys are girls and some of our girls are boys. And like the, the people like uh, it's uh, uh, Keegan, Michael Key and uh, Cecily. And they're just sitting there like, yeah. And like mm-hmm. <laughs> our neighbors in our neighborhood are weirder than this. Like what's going I it felt a little bit like this is there, there should be a little bit more death and zombie and macabre to the gender nonconformity and the body modification. No? Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I, I agree. It's nothing that you would expect outside of a normal like cabaret theater or burlesque show or something right like, there's or is that nothing the point crazy that, here that they're trying to recreate like a pre-fall nightlife and they don't they're, they're, they're studiously keeping the zombie apocalypse out of it it could be 
could be. It's not very bohemian, gotta say. Yeah. I mean, I get the impression that this is kind of the night life that they enjoyed, both, both uh, Isabel and Quinn, right? Like, she talks almost fondly mm. about, hey, yeah, they used to have nightclubs back in the mm-hmm. day when she's talking to Laurent. She lit up, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, she kind of misses that life, but also, you know, it wasn't a good life. I mean, look at what she tried to do. She tried to kill herself, right? That life took its toll. So is it really something to miss? Yeah. And and yeah. how happy can Quinn be here having recreated it? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I don't know how to read Quinn. We'll, we'll get there, though. Uh, Sybil gets to know this Bastion guy, I guess, uh, while they dance. Sylvie. Sybil, yep. Uh, <laughs> You're going to be it's really about- fucked up in season two of Loki. You keep getting Sylvia and Sybil mixed up. Oh, true. <laughs> Uh, Isabel is going to trade her drugs for contact with people who might be able to help Daryl get back to America, but Daryl doesn't want to pay up front. He says, nah. Starts a fight, which attracts the attention of the boss, who turns out to be Quinn, much to her shock. Quinn tells Daryl it might be possible to get back to America. Yeah, it's an interesting study of Daryl here, like having him, his fate being bargained for in a language he doesn't understand, like really Mm -hmm. upset him. And it's one because like Daryl's like, you think of this guy who's just kind of like, you know, happy go lucky, goes to the flow, doesn't have any pre, but like he actually needs a large amount of control to feel comfortable. Seems like, and yeah. it like it sent him into like a near panic. These people, like they're like they're talking like he just gets like every other word or something. And he's like, "What are you talking about? What it's it's uh it's it's a scary situation. He's in a, in a weak position. He doesn't doesn't like it." Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't and even of course have anything he, to barter with it's all Isabel's stuff right exactly so. he's relying on someone and, and the other thing is it goes back to he fundamentally doesn't trust Isabel because she's lied to him and she yep. lies to all the people that are close to her um, right can he even trust that they're saying what she says they're saying yeah Who knows? exactly uh, but as predictably he escalates it to something he's comfortable uh, he's not comfortable with the French violence. language is comfortable with physical violence yeah and uh, we find about the no I mean they, they kind of told us but this is the uh uh, the, 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 you know, let, let's know that like, Hey, weapons aren't allowed here. And he, I, I liked it. He cut the dude's nose, seemed like an appropriate mm-hmm. punishment. And then the, uh, the mistress of ceremony stomps over and grabs the knife. It's like, boys will be boys. I, I, I enjoyed yeah. all that. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a good scene. I really like how Quinn reacts to seeing Isabel here. He's, he plays it very cool. Very cool. He, he He's able to, last about a minute into this scene after already having realized who she is before even acknowledging her, right? He's dealing with his own business and then he's going to acknowledge this new thing. And I, I fundamentally take him very seriously here because of the way he's acting. He seems like a man who's very much in control of his emotions and probably uses that to be pretty manipulative. Yeah, his emotions and and the setting as well. Mm-hmm. This is his club. This these are his people, all under his control. Yeah, he seems very powerful and confident. Uh huh. And maybe a guy you wouldn't want to cross. Uh, so we go out to, I guess the bar portion of the nightclub here. Laurent talks with Anna Valerie, who's the singer here. Um, shows her the picture of his mother. He says he likes her Eiffel Tower necklace, so she gives it to him. And it seems pretty obvious here that, you know, Anna and Quinn are involved. 
based on the way she's looking over at him and then later she'll make it a little more explicit is are they involved or does she want to be involved because he's because that's but that's thing is like it's telling us something either way like you know he Mm -hmm. is this button down guy who kind of wraps women around his finger and then uses their emotions and manipulate them or is she kind of like trying to overreach is she trying to like ingratiate herself to the guy who owns the club i'm not sure it's tough to tell because of the wild card that is isabel showing up um Mm -hmm. you know how does he act when you know isabel is in his rearview mirror how does he act yeah when he doesn't have to discipline his man and that's kind of bothering him in the moment right it's it's hard to know for sure but yeah if if it's one-sided um yeah anna's still all about it i think yeah the the anna valerie's the singer like we haven't seen the last of her no her and quinn are both going to be somehow going to be involved like i i'm I'm not sure how they're going to keep like Codron, Codron, uh, the antagonist, uh, Quinn, a secondary antagonist. I'm not sure how they're going to keep all these people with on Daryl's ass the rest of the season. But clearly they intend to do that. Seems like it based on how this episode ends. Uh, And and I assumed when I saw Laurent showing her this picture of his mother that this was going to come back on uh, on the group somehow. I don't I don't think that's still on the table because I feel like they've dealt with all of that after Quinn acknowledges, yeah, you should have told me I had a kid, all that stuff. So I don't I don't know if it's gonna come back on them. This Eiffel what do you Tower mean by necklace. Because by the end like in, the... in some way that we that I guess they didn't expect. You know, we showed her this necklace and oh, she uses that later to to get one over on us or something or somebody oh. re- looks at it and realizes oh you know Quinn and therefore you're this person when you're really not or something you know the problem is yeah they I don't I don't know they they've done all the reveals I think they're going to do in terms of like Laurent's parentage and the other uh-huh. thing I was surprised is they already played the card where the the soldiers show up and wreck the little community that right. we got to know so it's like and 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 the other only other place that we care about is the convent, which already got his shit wrecked in. So it seems like all the consequences have already been applied. I I thought it was the jealousy because there is a hard edge mm-hmm. to her charming this. This isn't like a a nightclub singer who's charmed at this like seemingly worldly fourteen year old that's complimenting on her singing, and she's just kind of like you know, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, charmed in that there's there's a hardness like her smile does not touch her eyes she I think sees that this is probably a former love and is uh, with like a new boyfriend trying to bend uh, I keep on wanting to call him Hickey Quinn bend Quinn over a barrel and she doesn't like it she doesn't like this but she's you know being Mm. nasty nice that's how I interpreted Hmm. it okay and Laurent's too Could much be. of a naive kid to understand the the subtle uh, undertones. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, it's it's very like you know, she's giving him the necklace, but it's also a very curt, very just like yeah, I, I don't even know how to say it. The, the, yeah, there, there's some edge to it for sure. But I don't know how that comes back. I don't I don't know why that matters at this point. Um, I think. So my it's my it's my thought that 
Because who told Laurent? Who got Laurent all spun up? Is he just mad that the community is getting attacked by soldiers and he's blaming Daryl and uh, uh, Isabel for it? Is or because my idea is that uh, this Valerie person like dropped some stuff to Laurent that's got him all pissed up, pissed off. Yeah, that you know his mom died and all this stuff, all the things that Isabel's been lying to him about for years or but i don't know like i don't know if the timing on that works out i'm not sure either that they leave the club valerie goes has a fight with quinn quinn tells tells her more than he has to because like seems like he's perfectly fine just you know telling her shut the fuck up and you know go sing again i I don't know Mm -hmm. i don't know but that's 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 the only thing i think is that 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 yeah we're supposed to understand that she told durant things he wasn't meant to understand yet could be. Uh, so Quinn says he'll ask around about Daryl's request. He's introduced to Laurent and Isabel tells uh, Sylvie, I guess, to take Laurent back to the community. Uh, and then Quinn invites Isabel and Daryl to his office, which is filled with, the, let's say, cultural valuables. Um, and And now, you know, Quinn finds out that uh he had a son here and he says if daryl wants a boat now he knows the terms which i think i think means you have to maybe leave lara here or or at least introduce me i'm not sure exactly what the terms are i really don't know yeah when he goes now you now you know the terms the only thing that makes sense is sexual favors because 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 she says, look, there, I can do this. Like she, because like she, if it was like you got to leave Laurent here, that would be a non-starter with her, right? She's got to give him to the nest. You would think so, but maybe she's saying, trust me, that I can finagle this. But like, because like the, the the thing is, is like it felt weird if the stakes were sexual fla- favors because I didn't feel like Quinn cared really, no, about it that way. No, I that had not even crossed my mind. It, I, I thought it was all centered around Laurent, who, or that you have to tell Laurent that I'm his dad. You have to give me a chance to have a relationship maybe. with them. You got to, yeah, because the thing he says that really stuck out to me is a, a, a father should know his son, right? And he, he looks over at Daryl when he says that, and that's the thing that stuck with me. So in my mind, those are the terms. Like I need to be able to know Laurent, which either means introduce me here and now, or he's got to stay here. But the last, the latter of that would just be like you said, a non-starter for her. Yeah. I, so I, I, I'm kind of curious to see, um, cause like this immediately gets busted up by an action scene. So we're gonna have to wait to, I guess, see, see, um, if, if we get a better clue next week, but I also really like mm-hmm. them using these old world war two tunnels that were used by the French, and then the Germans took over and they had Vichy, Vichy occupation. And like, there's something really satisfying about, like it says a lot about Quinn and he's talking about the practice. He admires that kind of pragmatism that like mm-hmm. his building is useful for many different people doing many different things. And I'm the latest one that it's useful for. I thought it was, it's, it's a nice, nice piece of world building. Yeah, for sure. Um, and also the idea of like, are they the good guys or the bad guys? Well, it depends on your point of view. Um, so that same applies to Quinn, right? Yeah. Is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? We don't really know yet, I guess. Uh, th- there's a lot of stuff that in my mind tips him into bad, but not certain. 
So Isabel is pissed at Daryl for pulling her out of that situation. She tells him to stop trying to be her hero because she doesn't need one. I don't know. It's it's tough to gauge this because I felt like there's some things lost in editing because the um, I understand why she's angry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and why she is deflecting this anger towards uh, Daryl. I don't understand why literally five minutes later without any other reflection and talking, she's apologizing to him. It feels like she would still be. But like, I think maybe there's some time they didn't do a good job of expressing like there's a passage of time or that and daryl's like you're not mad at me you're mad at the situation right and i I think he's right i think he's right about that yeah um so civil sorry sylvie (laughs) tells Laurent about the nest which is a safe place they're trying to get to and how he gives people hope and she tells him to go to sleep but he's a kid so of course he doesn't he just stays awake looking at his mother's photo Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't really have anything to say about that scene. Because Sad Max is about to break in. Sad Max busts into the nightclub with some thugs to ask uh, Quinn about Daryl. And Isabel apologizes to Daryl for snapping at him. Explains, ah, it's really just you know pissed about having to face my demons here. And she explains the situation about Laurent and Quinn. And Daryl says she should stop lying to the kid. Like he said 10 times before, right? Um, Laurent tells them both that he hates them, just as Sad Max guys bust in. Daryl tells Isabel to go get Laurent, meet him back at her apartment, and then he runs the opposite way with Sad Max chasing him. There's a big fight. And then, boy, textbook cliffhanger at the end of this episode. Textbook, just color by numbers cliffhanger. A Daryl sinker. It's not mm-hmm. quite a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. True. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, to me, the end of this episode is a bit of a mess because I think they tr- were trying to find the cliffhanger and it didn't. There wasn't mm-hmm. a natural point. Um, and I don't, I don't know, like, why you couldn't just make an hour, fifteen minute episode or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I felt like the the her need to apologize was too rushed. But, but maybe it's just supposed to be um, insincere because Daryl's not having it, right? Like, this is like the third time she's tried to level with him and, and make a connection, and he's like you know, you need to stop lying about him. He's got a shit dad. And if that's, you know, he needs to know that and he needs to figure out what it means to him. And, you know, like, is he really a gift to God or is that something that you need to believe to be true? Um, maybe he's just a regular kid who lived, which is already miracle enough for this world. Like, I thought it's a really strong scene. Um, I don't understand why Laurent stumbles in and shouts that he hates them both and takes off because the other thing is like, I was assuming that this was right outside the club. Um, and then when Codron shows up and usually, like, Oh no, this is actually so like, did Laurent, did Laurent, he just sees like the soldiers come in and start busting up this community of people that he's kind of grown to care about. And he blames Daryl and Isabel for taking him there and making this happen. Or cause like if he's in the, if he's in the enclave, I don't know who would give him information that would make him say this thing. It's it's got to be just reaction to the soldiers coming and him be, the horror of like you know this this keeping happening to him of late. Don't shamble away. We'll be right back. Cause 
The hungry ones will feast. We're back with The Watching Dead. Right? Uh, you might be right about the Anna Valerie stuff. She might have told Laurent. I, I think that's like the most reasonable explanation. Except for I don't think that the timing and location lines up for that. Yeah, I, I agree, but like, I mean, maybe when did I, that it, conversation take place? So, so we don't uh, clearly while they were in Quinn's office, right? I mean, so, so here's know, the, well, right? we don't know that she didn't know because she saw the picture of Lily. Yeah, can we assume that there is a picture of Lily she, somewhere in Quinn's yeah, her, office? Her eyes. Her she's got her mother's eyes. Uh, uh-huh. Maybe yeah. she's talking maybe, with Laurent. Okay. Maybe she decided I'm gonna go back and tell this fucking kid. He needs to know. Next question, why would Laurent wait until just when the soldiers busted in to come and be like, I hate you both for, you know, like he was just sitting there and stewing for a couple hours or (laughs) it feels like the soldiers coming and this being like the second or third time that they're leaving a location in flames is the thing. And and like he's running from that. He doesn't want to be with them anymore. Like he doesn't trust them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what would have triggered it other than finding out that they've been lying to him about his parentage for so long like i said i think the the fact that every place that daryl goes everyone that he cares about <laughs> dies that's a pretty good reason to turn against them because he doesn't say like you're lying he just says i hate you both mm-hmm. uh and this takes off as the soldier says hate that guy he's the problem we yeah. were fine at the at the abbey until daryl showed up I thought the fighting is pretty good. It does seem like, you know, like what I would expect that like Daryl is going to just take this guy like, you know, he needed about 15 more seconds to have this guy dead mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. saved by his, his soldiers showing up and driving Daryl off. Um, yeah. Now he knows who he's messing with, you know, so we have like, like a multiple cliffhanger. We got, we got Daryl sinking into this building. It's no doubt full of walkers. Um, mm-hmm. And then we've got uh, Laurent, you know, just in the city with Isabel desperately trying to find him. Yeah. And I I like the scene of him doing the the Neo, like jumping over the, you know, jumping over the alley full of walkers from building to building and like Kodron doing this, you know, screwing up his courage to do the same thing because he's he's driven, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, he's going to be chastened because like Daryl's second time, Daryl's gotten the better of him. Yeah. Uh, he better just keep his guys around him because Daryl can take him one on one. But that's it, man. That's the episode. We leave Daryl literally as he's falling into, like, through a rooftop into a building. As it's rain, it started raining. Uh, that's a really nice shot of the night sky at the full moon peeking out behind the storm clouds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see what happens next week. We got feedback. Would you care to hear it, Jim? I would love to. Walking Dead at BaldMove.com is how you get in touch with us. First up, Rachel from Texas says, On the Daryl Dixon Episode 2 podcast, you wish for a Rat King-style zombie. My friends, I'm happy to tell you, exists. This is minor spoilers for the broader Walking Dead universe. So if you don't want to know what may or may not have happened in spinoffs in the last few years, just goose it forward about 30 seconds. Spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen Dead City. In Dead City Episode 5, Maggie fights one that has at least four zombies intertwined. In the behind-the-scenes interviews for the show, it was described as what would happen if one zombie stepped through another zombie and then picked up others along the way. I thought it Katamari seemed very plausible. Zombasi? <laughs> I tried to get there. Zombie Demarcy. Uh <laughs> 
it seems very much implausible even in the Walking Dead universe, but I thought it was interesting to see. I don't know that I think it's especially plausible in the Walking Dead universe because these are like, did you see some of these zombies in the orchestra? Mm-hmm. They're like a spine and a skull and a three fingers and they're still alive. So like, yeah, you know, imagine like five or six zombies trapped in a dumpster for seven or eight summers in Georgia. You're saying that those wouldn't congeal. Yeah, I mean it's it's the brain, right? The brain is the thing. If if a zombie has any part of its brain left, it can it can continue to exist. So, yeah, I, I would think they can congeal together. Yeah, I am a little disappointed that we missed the dead city, uh, big rat zombie reveal because that's something that I kind of been wondering if they would ever do in The Walking Dead. And the very first mm-hmm. time I take my eye off the ball. They, they trot and, and it out. If you're going to have a Rat King zombie anywhere, it's going to be New York City, right? I mean... And Paris or New York City, but Paris we're watching, so... Uh, Karen says, I've been a club member since the Game of Thrones days, but this is the first time I've been compelled to write. I simply must address your mischaracterization of Adam the Gacy's career. Uh, I agree that Adam has played a monster or two, but it's incorrect to claim that he only plays shit heels. Shame, shame, shame. I know you've seen Chernobyl. Have you forgotten that Negatus played Vasily Ignatinko, the young married firefighter who met a very grim end after working to contain the radiation reactor? Definitely not a shit heel. True. Karen, you got us. One time in this man's wretched cinematic career has he played <laughs> a person that had moral virtue. And that was that firefighter. We're now three out of three shit heel. Although you're... I'm surprised you're resisting to call this guy a bad guy. Uh, look, like I've we seen s- bad guys in The Walking Dead. He's a gray area okay. guy, comparatively. He's not the governor. He's not Negan. Right. But, I mean, knowing that... At least not that yet. Was, that, that, that he knew that Lily was pregnant with his child, that's cold as fuck what he was doing in episode two. Oh, I agree. And sisters... One of these sisters is a, like you saved her from a suicide attempt, probably because you had something to do with it. And then you go fuck her teenage daughter behind her back. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm comfortable in saying that this guy is got a large glob of shit on his heel, if not a whole turd. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm waiting for the, the reveal that shows what his true, uh, how big of a monster he is, because I don't think we've seen the end of it. Well, they're also really my reservation is proclaiming him a monster now because where do I go from there, right? A super monster, a rat, (laughs) a rat, a rat monster. Uh huh. Bunch of monsters melded together. (laughs) Um, Zach S said, "I want to write in a comment. I expected to hear brought up by now, but seemingly hasn't been discussed in the podcast at all. I'd like to discuss the last of us of it all." In the preview podcast for the show, you guys mentioned that you were worried about the show might just feel like a B-level ripoff of The Last of Us. It hasn't come up again since. It surprised me because in many senses is exactly what the show feels like. So we talked, like, there's a whole long, and he breaks down all the similarities. Um, but, like, I feel like we addressed this in the podcast. This is a bit of a dry pie. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, he's talking about, like, this is such a similar show, but it does a good job of zigging where The Last of Us zagged. Um said that this show feels more like the writer said, let's do a last of us, with Daryl in France rather than taking risks on something new. 
Um, so do you, I, I guess I talked more about that than you did. How are you feeling about this aping, the idea of this aping the last of us? Uh, like I said, I, they're, this show is fundamentally silly to me. I mean, yeah, it tries to do all this highbrow stuff in the background, but the fact, like you said, that it shoehorns in action scenes every episode and just doesn't take itself as seriously as the last of us just doesn't put it in the running. Like I don't think of them as the same thing at all. Uh, regardless of how the plot goes, the plot yeah, it's is like that the episode of DuckTales where they did Macbeth. Right. I don't think of that as Shakespeare. I think of that no. as DuckTales. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, it's not even in the con- same conversation to me because they're, yeah. they're fundamentally just different. Yeah, and I expect like we talked about in a preview. I thought I would constantly make because that's very recent in my mind. But like, not it's yeah. it's not ringing any ringing any bells. Because um, I I don't even think fundamentally no. this show doesn't seem to be about like uh, I don't feel any father son vibe. I know that's where they're going for, but I'm not feeling it, so it doesn't come across as me. And to me, this is Daryl and Isabel mm-hmm. show. So it's like if you had to make the Last of Us, who was the woman that escorted Ellie? Um, Tess. Oh, Tess. oh no the, the yeah the firefly well yeah that was so like if 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 if, if uh yeah marianne is that her name mm, i can't remember the, the 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 lady that uh the the firefly commander in boston yeah, yeah she had survived and it would have been about her and joel finding ways to like see eye to eye about how they feel about the Marlene is her name about how they yes. feel about the post-apocalyptic life and whether they have hope and all that kind of stuff like I'd mm-hmm. be like oh yeah but like I yeah all the like I mean Joel and Ellie had more speaking lines together in the first episode where they hate each other's guts and open antagonists than I think Laurent has had with Daryl for three episodes so it's just it's just different mm-hmm. it's it's not hitting me it doesn't feel like a copy even though superficially it feels exactly the same yeah, you're right. I, I was looking for it. I mean, shame on me, I guess, for looking for that at the beginning uh, before we saw the show. I should have known. It's The Walking Dead. They're not going to do anything quite that level. But but also, yeah, from a plot perspective, I think you're right. It's it's a little bit different. It different might be good. I'm not thinking about it. Because uh, if it was more similar to The to the Last of Us, I think people would be being like, well, this is just shitty Last of Us, where yeah. they are doing kind of their own thing, and it's probably good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. We also have only seen half of it. I there might even be more. Like if Isabel dies next episode and it's just Daryl and Laurent for the next three, that might feel very fucking Last of Us. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill from Aurora says, "I finally got around to listening to your podcast on episode one of The Walking Dead." Daryl Dixon, the sheer joy and tomfoolery you guys bring to Walking Dead material makes it some of my favorite work you do. I Thanks. feel like I get a riff tracks of The Walking Dead each week, and I laugh often during your episodes. When dog makes an appearance, my life will be complete. Of course, mm-hmm. Daryl Dixon's dog can dog paddle across the Atlantic Ocean. I believe, Bill. I believe. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to like there, there'll be some kind of moment of closure. Like, is this last scene, last scene of the series? Would you bet is Daryl getting on a boat? Is it Daryl arriving at the gates of Alexandria? Is it dog coming up and licking him in the face and Carol smacking him on the ass? Like, what's what's happening? I feel like the last scene is going to be him getting back with Rick waiting for him at uh, on the shore. 
right? That would be pretty cool. Because like he's he went out to find Rick. It would be kind of Rick I don't found know him poetic for for Rick to have returned and him come back and be like, oh, here's Rick waiting for me. I should have stayed home timing. all along. I wonder be and of course who knows what the strike, um, which sounds like it got wrapped up. At least half of it did over the weekend. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder what the intended timing. Like where we're oh, gonna do movie, yeah. City or the Daryl Rick and Michonne and then back to Daryl, because um, that would make a that would make a lot of sense. But because we know this has been greenlit already for season two, right? So so that points more to a Daryl getting on a boat at the end of the season kind of thing. Oh, perhaps yeah. Because uh, I can't imagine they they go back and spoil like you know post Michonne and Rick kind of situations if they if they're going to go for the alexander happy ending well well the so, so the thing that really like makes me wonder about the plot is they've jettisoned the rick stuff entirely daryl has already dealt with all that right in the show mm-hmm. now he's mm-hmm. just trying to get home so in my mind like they can do whatever they want with the rick and michonne stuff and it doesn't affect this show at all because mm-hmm. daryl could just be stuck here in france for two years five years whatever well so i mean i just felt like there should there's there's some kind of intent that they were going for right you know mm-hmm. like, yeah i might have gotten screwed up by the uh um the writer strike and whatnot but but anyway uh we'll see we got three more ep- wait this is an eight episode season right uh, no it's six question i still can't believe we got the france before the halfway mark uh, that's kind of encouraging to me. It shows that they're like willing to burn through material that uh, you know they could have made a meal of uh, all the little cities and stuff, but they're just trying to get right to the point. Uh, that's going to do it for our coverage this week. Thank you for listening once again, and uh, we will be back next week with more Adventures of Daryl and Frantz. Uh, send in feedback to walkingdeadatbaldmove.com. Of course, if you want to know what else we're doing, we just wrapped that foundation. We're starting Loki. Fargo's just around the corner. We got the creator movie. I've really been desperate to see that. We're going to be talking about that this week, right? That, that's mm-hmm. what we're doing. If you want to keep up with all the stuff we're doing, social media is where you want to go. We are at Bald Move everywhere, except for TikTok. We're at Baldest Move. And finally, if you'd like to support what we're doing, get more extra content for you, plus ad-free feeds and lots of other perks and benefits, go to support.baldmove.com. Thanks again for watching. Uh, Well, uh, half of you for watching, all of you for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.